Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMR markets. It's Tuesday, April the 18th. I'm Katerina Dastier. And I'm Andrew Ross. Coming up this week, distressed debt and restructuring editor Robert Schack will talk us through the latest on Biscuit International after the French biscuit producer saw its loans drop to the low 70s last month. Deputy editor Aurelia Seidelhofer will then sit down to discuss the long-expected restructuring agreement for the German fashion retailer Taco. Finally, senior reporter Lucia Camblor will join us to provide an overview of the private credit space in the first quarter. Rob, Biscuit International's loans dropped recently. Can you tell me what was behind the move? Hi, Kat. Yes, the France-based Biscuit Producers' loans dropped around five points to the low 70s at the end of last month. The move was sparked by the company telling lenders that sponsor Platinum Equity had provided it with a new 100 million euro facility to support liquidity and that it had drawn down 50 million so far. It was structured as a note ranking Paris Pursue with the group's turn loan B using available baskets and pays 18% pick, but on a non-compounding basis. Why was that considered as negative? The company's liquidity had been pretty tight. Biscuit ended the third quarter of 2022 with around 22 million of cash, while its RCF was 42 million or 49.5% drawn. Management had guided to sequential flat EBITDA in Q4, which suggested that Biscuit would continue to burn cash and told lenders it expected to draw the revolver down in full during the fourth quarter. The group was over 18 times net levered at the end of Q3, which means that it would breach the 8.5 times springing net leverage covenant governing the RCF. The test is triggered when the facility is more than 50% drawn, although this ratio is calculated net of cash. That didn't leave the group with much headroom, which means the new facility is actually pretty positive for the first lien lenders, since it resolves the concerns over liquidity for the time being. Obviously, it's less positive for the second lien lenders since they face being layered by up to 100 million euros. It means that now the key issue for Biscuits is to focus on turning around profitability. And what is the outlook like for Biscuit? As mentioned, management had already warned that Q4 would be as bad as Q3, so everyone has already written that off. But the group had guided to a strong rebound in Q1 this year, driven by price increases that were due to kick in on day one in January. So the market will be looking for a significant jump in run rate EBITDA in Q1 and for Biscuit to get back to breaking even in terms of free cash flow. Hi Aurelia, last week you wrote about the long expected restructuring agreement for German fashion retailer Taco. Can you tell us a bit more about this agreement and what it entails? Yeah, so, um, hi Andrew, this was, yeah, long expected. Um, as we all know, um, Taco almost uh, restructured a while ago during COVID and then didn't in the end. So, um, but I think at uh, this time it was just um, too challenging with the high interest rates and, you know, quite a large capital structure and high leverage to do a straight refi, which they tried for a long time. So in the end, what happened is that uh, Taco's bondholders will take about 95% of the equity of the company and the sponsor will retain a 5% stake. And then out of the originally about 510 million bonds, which were due in November 2023, and the 40 million private placement notes or 
COVID facility. Uh, they, um, uh, 150 million of that will be equitized. And then there will be a partial reinstatement of 300 million of debt on OPCO level, ranking senior secured and paying 3.75% um, and 8.75% pick. And part of the senior secured notes and COVID facility will also be reinstated in a 100 million hold code debt um, ranking junior. In the, um, so that would be outside of the restricted group and also paying a 15% pick. And then uh, the company also has a letters of credit facility, which is very crucial for their business. And that was extended to 2026 as part of the agreement. So in short, that's that these are kind of the main main points. Okay. Here. Okay, that sounds pretty comprehensive. Uh, what uh, about the business outlook? What is the company planning on doing? Yeah, so um, according to the business plan, the company is targeting a net sales increase um, between the financial year 2022-2023 um, of almost 45% to 1.761 um, uh, billion for the financial year 2027-2028. And in terms of EBITDA management projects, uh, 185 million for the financial year 2027-28 or in a downside scenario, an adjusted EBITDA of 159 million. Um, how does it want to achieve that? Um, it wants to increase the number of stores um, to about 2,300 from uh, about 1,900 now, um, with a European-wide expansion and reduce a bit the dependence in the German market, which is the case at the moment. And what do we know about the bondholders? Like, who are they? And, and as new owners, who are they uh, of TACO? Yeah, so as we said at the beginning, obviously the bondholders um, are now the new owners. And um, as far as we know, uh, Silverpoint, Albacore, Napier Park, um, they had a substantial position in the bonds, um, with Albacore also being exposed to the company's senior facility agreement. So these are now the, the main holders, owners of TACO. Great. Thank you very much, Aurelia. So, Lucia, how has the latest bout of turbulence in the banking sector caused by the fall of Silicon Valley Bank and the state-engineered takeover of Credit Suisse by UBS impacted private credit? Thank you very much, Kat. Yes, broadly speaking, market participants agreed that challenges in the banking sector could lead to increased consolidation, regulation, and tightening of lending standards, which could be a good thing for direct lenders. On the other hand, the increase in interest rates impact companies' capital structures and lead to falls in their projected EBITDA. Rates are now 300 BPS to 400 BPS wider than they were 12 months ago, and direct lenders said that the increased interest burden on companies is expected to result in the amount of senior debt in these capital structures coming down. Gaps in companies' capital structures have made some direct lenders and specialist funds dig deeper into junior capital, adding new layers of exposure through facilities, including payment in kind or peak. However, there are more opportunities for peak facilities in slightly larger companies, but in the core mid-market, we are not seeing that trend, according to market participants. 
And what about deal flow? Well, leverage buyouts have started slowly this year, but are expected to pick up in the second half of 2023, as bilateral deals and add-ons increase. Direct lenders continue to rely on their invested capital, which count as incumbent deal flow and provide opportunities for add-ons and raising new lines for acquisitions by existing portfolio companies. Last year, bolt-ons and add-on deals accounted for 28% of all M&A involving private debt in the UK and 30% of all deals in Europe, just behind LBOs, which accounted for 40% in the UK and 42% in Europe, according to Deloitte Spring 2023 Private Debt Deal Tracker. So market participants said that this could be a great vintage for direct lending funds, not only because floating base rates have increased, but direct lenders are also pushing on fees and interest margin, creating the best loan levels returns in a decade. Join Reorg on Thursday, April the 20th, for a discussion of Lipo Mall's Indonesia Retail Trust operational troubles, financial stresses, and possible restructuring scenarios that could lie ahead. Register now at reorg.com or email marketing at reorg.com for more information. We send a weekly roundup of Reorg content, ranging from breaking news to in-depth financial and legal analysis, as well as the latest podcasts that you can listen to and webinars that you can register to attend. Sign up to Reorg on the record now at reorg.com. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience, so please take a moment to complete a short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. Also, more information on all the situation and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening. Thank you.